Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. We welcome everyone listening on the internet. If you've just downloaded this, we welcome you to King's Church, Luke 19. Verse 1, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Verse 6, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be with the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Amen. What an amazing scripture. What an amazing story. The story of Zacchaeus. The title of my message today is The Unexpected Guest. The Unexpected Guest. This story is, I love this story and the fact that Zacchaeus First of all, I can feel close to Zacchaeus because he was a small man. I know what it's like, 35 years on this earth, to be small, to be called a midget, to not be able to see above everyone in the crowd, at school always getting the worst spot. And even if you get a good seat in an auditorium, it always seems to be the worst seat when you're small. So straight away when I read this story... I have an affiliation with Zacchaeus. He's my kind of man. He knows what it is to feel small. And it says that Zacchaeus was a wealthy man. Now I don't know if I can affiliate myself with that bit. He was a wealthy man. A tax collector. I know that tax collectors tend to be quite wealthy. Especially when you're submitting your tax returns. You're thinking where is all this money going? But it says Zacchaeus was a wealthy man. He was short, he was a tax collector and he was wealthy. And it says that this day he heard in Jericho that Jesus was coming through Jericho. He knew that he was entering into the city of Jericho and this guy who is a wealthy guy, a tax collector, who's small, thinks I want to see, I want to get a bit of what this Jesus is about. There's an opportunity to see who this Jesus is. The one who everyone keeps talking about. He wouldn't have had um, an app on his phone to tell him what was on the news or what had been happening in, in all the other cities and towns. But many of you know that then it was the word of mouth. It got around. And he would have known that Jesus was coming through and he thought, I want to get... A little bit of what this Jesus is and who he is. I've heard his name. I've heard some of the things about him. But as a wealthy guy, he wants to find out more. And it says that he ran ahead of the crowd. Wise man. To try and get the best seat. He ran ahead 
Before anyone could get there to the place where he knew Jesus was going to be. Maybe it was a a central point in the city of Jericho where he knew if I get there that's where he'll, he'll end up. I'm going to go there first before anyone else does. May have even thought this. Maybe even in the previous chapter just before when Jesus is entering Jericho just on the outskirts he actually just passes another man. That man is the blind guy who does know about Jesus. And he shouts out, Son of David, have mercy on me. He knows who he is already. He knows his ability to heal. And we know that from the, the guy he meets on the way in, that his, his eyesight comes back. But Zacchaeus, he's not ill. He's not sick. He's probably heard the stories and he runs ahead To find out, I want to know what this Jesus is. Who he is. Because this doesn't sound like an ordinary man. So what did Zacchaeus discover? What did he find when he ran ahead? To find this tree that it says that he climbed up. A sycamore tree. Sycamore fig tree to climb up this tree. I don't know if you know, but a sycamore fig tree is quite a low tree. It's a low tree with lots of leaves. It would have been easy for a short man to climb up. Because I know that I was never really good at tree climbing either. You can't be good at everything, can you? Some of my friends used to be up there and they'd be climbing trees. I could never really climb trees. We've got one in our garden and I think the boys are waiting for me to show them how to climb it. I just can't do it. I get Emma to do it. And... He climbs this tree in a place where he knows Jesus is going to end up coming. By now, if you imagine, he's run ahead. He's got ahead of the people. He's run ahead and climbs this tree to get ready for when Jesus comes. You can imagine the crowds filling up around this tree. And he's got his good spot. You may have today your Jesus in your mind of who you think he is. From stories, things you've heard. But there's two sides to every story. You might think you've got it together of who Jesus is. Don't just go by word of mouth or what anyone just says. We can preach Jesus, we can tell you about him, but the the truth will set you free. His spirit will reveal to you who he is. Zacchaeus went out to look. Number one today, you can see for yourself. You can see... For yourself, Zacchaeus went out on his own exploration to discover who he was. He wasn't prepared to just sit in his house and wait till they all walked past and said, so what, what does he do? You know, what happened at the last place? He thinks, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to run and I'm going to find out who he is. And today we have the opportunity to find out more about who Jesus is. It's not just word of mouth. Zacchaeus wanted to put a face to the name. How many of you know that? We, we, we find out about people way in advance of meeting them and we always put this image in our minds of who they look like. And when we meet them, we're either disappointed or happy. It's like, oh, I thought, you look, I thought you'd have looked totally different to this. And you always think, I hope it was a good thing. And he wanted to know what Jesus looked like. They didn't have Sky TV. They didn't have an app that showed a picture of who Jesus was. He didn't have a newspaper. He wanted to see and put a a face to the name. He knew his name, but he wanted to put a face to the name. I want to suggest to you that by now, he would have heard a lot of stuff about who Jesus was through word of mouth. He would have heard a lot of things About what Jesus was and who he was as a person. In fact, he would have heard many things. Some bad things. He would have heard that Jesus was a blasphemer. That he said he was the son of God. He would have heard things about Jesus. That suggest that he was even a devil. Things that you think, do I really want to go and meet this guy? These are the kind of stories he would have been hearing. But many people 
would have also been saying, he says he's the son of God. He says he's the son of God. You may have heard all these things, but he's saying and claiming to be the son of God. It was now his chance to take a glance at the person. To get up in the tree and have a good look for himself. He must have thought, is this really the son of God? Is this really the son of God? But Zacchaeus, as a chief tax collector and wealthy man, I want to know, I want you to know today that he also had a stigma attached to his name. You see, the Bible tells us, and we know through history, that a tax collector in those times, who were representing the Roman Empire, taking taxes for a nation that wasn't supposed to be there in, in, in the eyes of the people of God, were taking money and taxes, and they were seen, it says, worse than prostitutes. And worse than adulterers. I want you to think about that for a moment. Because Zacchaeus. A wealthy guy. Is actually considered by many people. In the crowds that he would have had to get through. As someone worse than an adulterer and a prostitute. They hated him. They hated tax collectors. That's why they hated Matthew. They couldn't understand when Jesus wanted to be in Matthew's house. How many of you know that Jesus always wanted to be in the places where they didn't want to go? He wanted to be with the people who they didn't want to be associated with. And Zacchaeus also had a name for himself. He'd been labeled as someone who should be hated because of what he did. With the wealth he had. But yet, Zacchaeus... Goes out and runs ahead. I want you to know this as well. That even a man in those times to run. To run ahead. He would have had to lift up his his tunic and run. And show his bare legs. At that time in tradition it would not be good for a man to be seen to be doing that. And he was running ahead. Because he didn't care what people thought. He wanted to see Jesus. It was more important for him to see him than the wealth he had. So he was short. He was hated by them. He's got some obstacles already. And I don't know about you today, but maybe you have some obstacles that are hitting you to pursue and get a little bit closer to find out who Jesus really is. There are some obstacles, just like he had, that if he even walked out of his nice plush house... He'd have a crowd looking at him, hating him, cursing him, to just find out who Jesus was. Jesus must have been so important for him to go through ahead of this crowd. To run ahead and do something that wasn't expected of a man of his stature. But the point is, Zacchaeus set out for himself. You see... The answer to find Jesus, the answer to see Jesus is not as as far away as you think. He was close by. Some of us, we believe the lie that God, that Jesus is far away. He's far away, it takes a lot to reach him, to find out more. Mark 1, verse 15 says this, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. In other words, the kingdom of God is that far away. It's that far away. Don't ever believe the lie that suggests that you, to reach Jesus, to go and find out more about Him, you've got to do lots of things, read lots of books. Watch lots of God TV and and be a super spiritual person. Zacchaeus at this time, he didn't pursue God. He wasn't a Christian. He knew it was just a short distance for an opportunity. Let me tell you today, the kingdom of God is at hand. His spirit is here. It is close by. 
It is that far away for you to reach out and grab. It's not hard. The gospel to reach Jesus is not hard. It's in front of us. Psalm 19 verse 1 to 4. The psalmist wrote this. The heavens, speaking of above when you go outside and look on a night. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech and night after night they reveal knowledge. In other words, I don't even have to tell you about how close God is. Just look outside tonight. His creation is everywhere around us, staring us right back in our faces. It's right behind, it's right in front of us, staring at us. And God is showing us all these different things, saying, look, I'm here. And it's not as far away as the moon, he's here by his spirit. Don't believe the lie that tells you that God is far away, that Jesus is far away. Zacchaeus knew that he had an opportunity and he was close to meet the one who was the Son of God. He left his fingerprint when God showed us creation all around us and you look around you. In other words, I believe he leaves his fingerprint for us to see. And so many of us today are saying, we go out on the streets and we ask people, we say, do you believe there's a God? Do you believe, do you believe a God? And we, when we go out on the street, street evangelism, we ask this question. And you imagine we get lots of answers. We were out the other week and I said to, uh, young, these two young people, I said, do you believe in God? Do you believe there's a God who created you? And the, these two young girls were scientists and they talked to us and said, uh, we believe, they ended up saying they believe that aliens made them and all this kind of stuff. Or they said they believed in the Darwin evolution, then it went to aliens. I'm not sure where it was going. I said, do you know, I said, who do you believe? These two girls said the scientists. I said, what, what do the scientists say? And they didn't know. It's funny, isn't it? We always use that terminology. We always say, they, we talk about the they people. But really, we don't know who we're talking about. They were talking about scientists who they didn't really know what they said. They relied on the they people. The ones who exist in our own imagination sometimes. But I want to ask you today, who do you really believe in? Do you put your trust in what the scientists say? I asked one of these girls when I stood there and I let her talk for five minutes, tell me about the aliens. It was really interesting. It's fun. See, that's going out on the streets is fun. Many of the guys will tell you, you get to hear lots of stuff. You don't tell people and talk. Sometimes the best thing is to listen. To listen to people. And I listened for a while and then I just, Tim, if he remembers, was stood with us at the back. He's, he had his Costa Coffee cup with him. As many of you know, Tim likes his coffee. And he had his Costa Coffee cup. And I said to one of these girls, I said, look at that cup that Tim's drinking from. I said, you see the logo on the side and the nice colours? I said, can you tell me, do you think someone designed that cup? Do you think someone designed that Costa coffee cup? And after she'd been telling me all about evolution and things happening by accident, she said, yes, I believe it's, it's got to have been designed by someone. And before he went to the factory, yes, of course. And I then turned to her and I said this. I said, if you think you find it easy to believe that a Costa coffee cup was designed by someone and created by someone, but yet you look at yourself and you cannot see that someone created you because even your human eye is more perfect and is is better than anything that's ever been designed on planet earth by man. But yet you find it hard to see that you are created. But you find it easy for a cardboard cup with one logo on the side. I want to tell you today that every time you look around you in this room, not only at the stars, God's fingerprint is everywhere. He's close by. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. 
you want to find out who Jesus really is, you've got to seek him. He sought after him. He didn't just sit in the house and listen through the windows. They walked past at the stories of what Jesus did and thought, wow, that sounds good. Wow, did you hear that story that they were just talking about? No. He got up and he he ran down ahead. He went against the grain. And some of us here today, if we want to find out more about Jesus and actually meet the Son of God for real, then you've got to start doing something and getting up and getting closer to Him. And that doesn't just mean coming to meetings. No. You can pursue God in your home. You can pursue God and seek after Him in your quiet time. But I want to encourage you today, don't just window shop. I'm very good when I've got no money, I ain't wealthy, and I go and I like to window shop. Emma doesn't like it when I go to the Apple store, and every time I go down, for some reason, I just want to go and look, and just look at the latest stuff, but I don't buy it. She goes, why on earth do you want to waste 30 minutes and looking at things that really you're not serious about? And some of us are like that. Some of us today, we like window shop with Christianity. And we just look and observe, pretend that we're interested, pretend that we're pursuers. But really, as it is in the business world, they call them tire kickers. Time wasters. They just come to events to look at things and they, they, they kick the tires. They're not really interested in pursuing or going that bit further. And sometimes I can do it. We can just look as though we're interested in pursuing But God, there's only one person today who knows whether you're really seeking. And that's himself, God. There's only one person who knows you're a serious buyer, as it were. A serious person who's willing to pay the price. And pursue him. Despite the obstacles. Jeremiah 29 verse 13. God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah He says, you will seek me and find me. And when you seek me with all of your heart, with all of your heart, something that can't be seen on the outside sometimes, I will be found by you. Amen. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And I will be found by you. Don't let. Your friends, all the obstacles hinder you from pursuing Jesus and finding out more. Find out for yourself. Mark 8 verse 36 says this. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their own soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. I want to encourage you not to pursue the temporal desires, the things. Let someone obscure you from seeing who God is. That scripture we've just read in Mark suggests that you could have everything you want. In the whole world. He says if you had everything that you can see. All money. All wealth. All culture. All the best music. The finest clothes. The finest car. The finest everything. Even if you had everything you could imagine. Everything. He says but you haven't even got that. You only have a little bit. Would you forfeit that for your own soul? I know, for me, I don't want to give up God, who's the pearl of great price, for any of that. And I want to encourage you today, this is serious scripture when it says, would you want everything in the whole world to forfeit your soul? Because you ain't ever going to get it all. You're only going to have a little bit. So you will trade for your life just a little bit for your own soul. The next point I want to bring is you can run, but you can't hide. 
You can run, but you can't hide. We read earlier in verse 4, So he ran ahead, Zacchaeus, and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. You know, when I read, I, all my life I read this story, I've always wondered what, I've always associated the sycamore tree with the one I had in my garden as a child. My mum and dad had a sycamore tree in the garden. It's a completely different type of tree to this tree that would have been found. But it says he ran ahead. And just as I used to play when I was younger and hide and make tree houses, he hid in this tree. And I used to think I was Zacchaeus when I was younger, hiding in my mum and dad's sycamore tree. But he ran ahead. He says he ran and then he tried to hide. I believe that if those people hated him and he had a stigma attached to his name, he would have run. Some would have seen him starting running, but he was trying to get ahead of the crowd. But his ultimate aim was to hide to see Jesus. To get up high and hide in the leaves. To not be noticed. To observe from a distance. To watch this person who says he's the son of God. He chooses to get the good view. But the story goes to say this in verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot. That's the spot where the tree is. He looked up. And said to Zacchaeus. Come down. Immediately. I must stay at your house today. He didn't just get to that spot and ignore him. He says he didn't even shout him at this point. He just looked up. And first thing he says to him, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today, Zacchaeus. I want to tell you today that if Jesus would have gone by public opinion, and he, as a man who was well known for all the things he did, the miracles and the great man he was, if he would have gone by public opinion to stay with the crowd and have a good reputation with the crowd, I can guarantee you he would have not shouted Zacchaeus down. He would have looked up if he knew his name. There's a word of knowledge for you. He knew who he was. Zacchaeus, come down. Boy, if you want a word of knowledge, that's a good one, isn't it? Hiding up behind the, behind the leaves. Jesus comes. You're thinking, I wonder if he really is the son of God. I wonder if these miracles are. Zacchaeus! You'd be like, whoa. Yes. Yeah, come round for tea. <laughs> Give me a word. But he knew his name. He knew who Zacchaeus was. And he said, come down immediately. I want to stay at your house today, Zacchaeus. And in the middle of hundreds of people, all these crowds, I don't know how many there were, but I'm from, from reading the scriptures for the crowds that gathered around Jesus, there'd have been a lot of people. And Jesus didn't care about what people thought about Zacchaeus. He didn't care about the label of him being an, like an, as worse than an adulterer or a prostitute or a sinner in their eyes. In fact, he stops not for the crowd, he stops for the one. And he looks up and says, Zacchaeus, come down. They must have been saying, what's he doing? Isn't he interested in us, the ones who are following him? But Zacchaeus should. He sought after God, as we read earlier. Those who seek him, find him with all their heart. And he knew, he must have known as he looked up, I know who you are. I not only know your name, but I know you're a tax collector. I know that for you to come out of your house today would have been a big thing. Your heart is seeking after me. You're interested in me. And he says, come down, Zacchaeus. Jesus said in a parable about this very thing. In Luke 15, verse 4, he tells a parable about the sheep. The 99 sheep. Suppose one of you has a 100 sheep, it says, and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep? Until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it over his shoulders and goes home. Jesus is prepared to stop, not just for the crowd, not for the scene, not for the big crowds, 
But he's interested today. There are people here today who are observing, who are saying, I'm just looking, I'm just observing from the tree. I don't know if this person really is the son of God and all this hype about Jesus and, you know, I'm just going to watch. But you know what? On God's agenda, it's different. He knows every heart in this room. I don't. We may prophesy, but we prophesy in part. In fact, we know very little. But Jesus knows everything. By his spirit, in this room now, he knows every heart of every individual. When we worship him and we invite him in here, he reaches into the hearts of people. He knows the ones who are seeking him. He knows the ones who are observing and looking for more of him. And if you're seeking him, you will be found. If you, if he would have followed the public opinion of those people, he'd have missed out Zacchaeus. If he'd have looked at what they were saying, he could have just gone along and thought, wow, I'm in Jericho, the city of Jericho. Let's see some miracles. Let's, the crowd can be pleased. I don't want to bother with that tax collector up there. That's going to ruin, ruin the parade. That's going to ruin this whole meeting. Imagine everyone's going to be like, not liking the preacher. He's going after the one who everyone hates. Jesus didn't care. Jesus looked up and he was after the one. You know why? Because he knows, he knew his soul was lost. He knew he needed salvation. We know that because he finds it. He was lost. And as we read earlier in Luke 15, the reason why he leaves the 99 in the parable is to find the lost sheep. The one who doesn't know Jesus for who he really is. The 99 can go and have a party and rejoice while he goes and finds the one who just hasn't grasped what he is and who he is. Verse 7 says this, I tell you that in the same way of Luke 15, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. It's an amazing thing that when he stood and looked up at Zacchaeus, heaven must have rejoiced as Zacchaeus quickly got down from the tree. You see, Jesus commanded Zacchaeus. He didn't just say, Zacchaeus, uh, I've heard you're a tax collector. I've heard a lot about you. I know people don't like you and uh, you're interested in me. Do you want to ask me some questions? Let me tell you this. Zacchaeus could have stood up in that tree, looked at Jesus down below and said, I ain't getting down yet. I've got a few questions to ask. I'm not sure. I've been hearing you've been called a devil. I've been hearing that you blaspheme saying you're the son of God. Can you tell me a bit more about this? Before I come down and, and let you come to my house, I just need to ask you a couple of questions. But he didn't. He didn't bother asking any questions as Jesus walked past. He didn't bother asking anything at all. In fact, it says that he came down very quickly. He came down immediately. Maybe today you're observing from the tree. Maybe Jesus is saying, come down. Come and let me come in your home. Let me come closer. But you're asking questions. You're looking up saying, no, I I need these few things answering before I'm willing to get a little bit closer, Lord. The one thing I've learned in Christianity is this. You can say, you might say, I'll I'll book a meeting with Phil and he might be able to answer some questions. I'll be able to answer so many. But do you know what? There's even things I don't understand. Do you think I know the God of all creation in every detail? No. But do you know what? I accept By his spirit. Because I know that I know him. I don't need to know all the answers. I know he's the son of God. I know he is. People say, how do you know? I know, I know. I'm willing to put my life on it. I'm willing to serve him and put my life on him. Who is the savior of heaven and earth. Amen. You see, I don't know if you recognize, but Right in the very beginning of the Bible, there were two people, Adam and Eve. You know the story. Adam and Eve 
the great fall. They did something wrong. They felt that they had got this barrier up between them and God. And he says when Jesus came into the garden in the cool of day, when God came in and he was walking, looking for them, and he's shouting, where are you? He called them by name. Adam, where are you? He says they're hidden in a tree. Looks like trees are quite a good place to hide. They hid from him. But as always, God calls us by name. He called Zacchaeus by his name. He knew every detail of his life. One of the things we learn is when we go on the streets and we're talking to people, we ain't just going out with knowledge. We're saying, God, give us gifts of the Spirit and words of knowledge to reveal your power to people, to reveal your existence to people. And we are seeing people change from listening to knowledge and looking at us in a completely different way when they realize, wow, God is calling me by name. He knows everything about me. He calls you by name. He said, Zacchaeus, come down. All the way through the Bible, he called Adam, Adam. He called Abraham, Jacob, Samuel, Joseph. He calls them by name. He knows those who are his. Second Timothy 2. He knows those who are his. And today he knows you. In detail. And he calls you by name in your spirit and says, I know you. Come. Come closer. Don't hide in the trees. Don't hide away from me. Luke 12 verse 7 says, Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. I think mine's getting easier to count these days. It's getting a little bit easier. Emma keeps saying to me, why have you done your hair different? And Prasad said, well, you've got to do something to cover it up. But he knows details of who you are. And he called Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus knew immediately. I believe that's why he didn't ask any questions. That's why you don't have to be worried about going on the streets if you want to operate in the spirit. People start losing their questions when they see God move. And he must have thought, you even know my name? I thought I was doing a good enough job hiding up here in this tree. But you know my name. It takes away the questions. And finally, your home is where your heart is. Your home is where your heart is. I remember when Jesus called me in 2002. I'd backslidden away from God. And in 2002, he called me by my name. Not literally, I didn't hear a voice, but he called me by my name. In my heart, I knew. And I've never walked away from him since. I said, God, I know that you're calling me away from the things that I've been pursuing, that I'd exchange my own soul for. But now I realize, Lord, you are the son of God. And he showed himself to me right in this building. In an awesome way that I've never forgot to this day. You might say, I'm going to go to the big conferences to find the presence of God and Jesus and feel him. I'll tell you this, then the truth. The moment I gave my heart to God and I was prayed over one evening in this building downstairs by the previous minister. It's the, it's the most significant time I felt the presence of God ever in my life. And there was eight people in the room. It wasn't a conference. There wasn't the amazing worship going. In fact, there was no music at all. And I felt God that that night call me and I will never say no to him now because he reminds me. And everyone's different. We all find that call different. If you look through the Bible, each one who were called, we mentioned Adam and Samuel, each one are called differently by God. Each one has an individual walk. But I let Jesus into my home. We hear many times, your home is where your heart is. The reason why we say that is because in your home, how many of you watch the program on TV through the keyhole? 
And they go into houses. It was on years ago and they, they'll go into someone's house and look round. And they'll try to guess whose house it is just by looking at their belongings. And the reason is because your personality, everything about you is all over your home. It's the place where you hide, you close the door. Some people don't see the things that go on in your home. There's many things that we close off. We're so good at putting on the face and the mask on Sunday. But boy, I'll tell you, if we went to each, including me, one of our homes, we'd actually see the real you. Your home is where your heart is. Doesn't the Bible say that where your treasure is, there is your heart also? Where your treasure is, there is your heart as well. If you want to know whether you're trading the whole world for your soul, look at where your heart's desires lie. That's where your treasure is. That is where it really is. We read earlier in Luke 19 in the story of Zacchaeus, when Zacchaeus invites Jesus back to his home, he says, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord in his home, look Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor and if I've cheated anyone of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. I want you to just see this story again. He calls a man down. He doesn't even ask him any questions. And then I want you to picture this as well. Because sometimes we forget this. But remember, he ran ahead of the crowd. So none of the crowd would necessarily see him. And probably make fun of him and curse at him. But one thing I love is not only does Jesus prepare to go against public opinion over Zacchaeus for the crowd. Zacchaeus has to do the long walk home through the crowd. With Jesus. Both of them must have been ridiculed. People must have been saying to Jesus, what are you going back to his house? He's as bad as a prostitute. Then they must have been saying to Zacchaeus and you, how can you respond to him? You're a tax collector. And they must have been both going back through the crowd. They couldn't run in a clear run back to Zacchaeus' home. They had to get back through the crowd. The crowd that hated them both now for what they were doing. Boy, it was a long walk home. But they were prepared to do it. They were prepared to go back through, to go back to the home. And in the house, Zacchaeus, it says he stood up. He must have given Jesus some food. The reason why I called this today the unexpected guest is because he never expected Jesus to be coming in his house. He thought he was going to watch from the tree. He didn't know. And I'll tell you back in 2002. The night before I gave my heart to God. I was paralytic. Drinking. I didn't know that the next day. That I would let the saviour of the universe into my life. And he would change me. Altogether. He was unexpected. He was an unexpected guest. In my heart. I wasn't ready for him. The house wasn't ready. Let me tell you, Jesus is not waiting for your house to be ready before he comes in. He's not waiting for you to sort it out. How many of you know that if you ever get someone rock up at the door who is unexpected, it's like first place, bathroom. Sort the bathroom out. Clean everything. This is what we do anyway. Put them things away. Hide that. No. If so-and-so sees, no, they won't like that. Put that away. We're not ready for them. But do you know what? Hairs and graces, Jesus loves us how we are. I don't ridicule or condemn anyone for who they who they are. They could come here, I don't condemn anyone. Because I'll tell you what, the things that they do that are wrong, that I might perceive wrong, I guarantee you this, if you step into his presence, they'll fall off you. Don't tell me to I don't I'll preach it, but it doesn't they'll fall off you. There were things that for on us, we were, we'd just come back to God and for a year and I'm just thinking, I don't want to do these things anymore. The psalm writes this, that he rescues our life from the pit and satisfies our desires with good things. He rescues our life from the pit and satisfies our desires with good things. I didn't do that. He does it. And we're, we're just so worried about if Jesus comes in and sees the detail of our hearts, 
He sees really what we like underneath. Oh, he won't like that. I'll just get that sorted. If I can get that sorted, get that sorted, and then I might go to church in three weeks' time. It took me three weeks to sort that one. And then I'll look, I'll feel better. I'll feel better. Do you know what? Even yesterday I failed. Today I'll fail. But because of His grace, because of Jesus, He washes us whiter than snow. Your righteousness is worth like filthy rags, it says. It's worth nothing. You've got nothing without Him. It's not always an easy choice to ask Him in. It's not an easy choice to... For I'm speaking to some today who maybe don't know Jesus. Really, they don't know Him. They don't know who He really is. It may be hard for you to accept Him into your life and become what we would term a born-again Christian. To become a follower of Jesus. And I want to take the stigma away from when people say, oh, the follower of Jesus, they think, oh, I'm just following and people who wear sandals and they, excuse the people who wear sandals, by the way. But you know the stigma that's attached. Let me tell you, it's the most exciting life I've ever lived. Get this rubbish out of your mind that to follow Jesus is boring. To follow Jesus is the most exciting life you will have. Every week at the moment I'm getting texts from people because I'm encouraging people to step out in faith. We're seeing a miraculous and amazing things on our streets. Do you know why? Not because we're special, but because people are enjoying their Christianity. They're doing the things that the Bible says we should do. It's not always easy, but let me guarantee you, you won't regret it. You will never regret giving more of yourself for Jesus. And when Zacchaeus is in the house and he looks, he stands up, he says to the Lord, he says, look, I don't know what their conversation must have been. I don't know what it must have been. I'd love to have been a fly on the wall to hear what they were talking about. But what I know this is that as they sat together, he says the next thing he says, it's the key thing. He says, look, I feel, it's almost like he says, I feel convicted. I know that I've been taking money from people. I know that I've been doing these wrong things and I, I want to pay them back. But he doesn't say, I just want to pay them back. He says, I want to give four times. Four times the amount. The rich man all of a sudden changes, not because Jesus says to him, Listen, Zacchaeus, I've come to your house today to talk to you and to tell you that actually I didn't want to sit out there in the tree, but you are pretty bad. I didn't really want to mention it with the tree because I, you know, I wanted to kind of wait till we got back and have a coffee and just chat. Just to say, but actually, you have been robbing these people. Maybe you should think about paying them back. No. Zacchaeus, what did I say earlier? He rescues your life from the pit and satisfies your desires with good things. It's his spirit that comes upon you and changes your view, changes your perspective. And he must have looked at Jesus and said, he, he felt convicted, not condemned. And he says, Lord, I thank you. That you've come round to my house, but Lord, I want to give everything back. In fact, I want to give more back because you, I see more value in you than any of this cash and any of these things I've got. You are more valuable, Lord. Boy, are the people outside, they must have been thinking, I wonder what they're talking about in there. I wonder what's going on. Love to be flying the wall. But I, I imagine he came out of that house after and he went across through that crowd, looking for individuals in Jericho he robbed, who he took more from than he should have, and said, listen, I want to give you back. And that's when they would have seen, the people who ridicule would have seen, that when they saw him come out, a changed man, the one who had stole from them, boy, we made a mistake. Look at him, he's a changed man. That's what Jesus does. Jesus said in verse 9, today salvation has come into this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. You might think, well, what's the son of Abraham mean? He's the son of the promise. Abraham had a promise that there'd be many descendants. He looked up to the stars. He looked up to the grains of sand and God spoke to him and said, Abraham, you're going to see many descendants in the future. You, won't, you wouldn't believe it if you could see it. 
What I can see now. If you, if you have faith in me, you're not going to believe what's going to come down the centuries. Look at the grains of sand. Look at the stars. There's going to be so many people giving their life to Jesus. There's going to be so many people coming to the kingdom of God. Abraham. This was his promise to him. And what this scripture is saying is salvation has come. Zacchaeus was saved. He was saved in his house. And he was said, it was said to him, you are the son of the promise. You're the one who I saw. Abraham couldn't see every grain of sand, but I knew every detail and every name. And I called you by name, Zacchaeus. We're saved. Today is the day of salvation. It's not tomorrow. It's today. You might say, well, tomorrow you're going to say it's today. Yeah, today is the day. Every day. Now. This second. He called you for a reason. I don't know why, back in August 2002, why I was going out and me and Emma were out drinking at a wedding and the next day our lives changed around and we never drunk again and we changed our perception and everything changed in 2002. I cannot, looking back, it was an unexpected guest. He came knocking. I wasn't ready. But that day was the day of salvation. That day was the day when God came in. And I could have rejected him. Let me tell you, he has a plan. An individual plan for every single person in this room. Today's the day. You might say, I've gone away from God. I've gone away from God and... I don't feel as close. I don't understand what it is to feel saved. Some of you here may be saying right now, I don't even know what it is to be saved. I don't understand all this. This is just new. It's new to me. It was new to me as a young lad when I used to hear it. But one thing I learned is it was the truth. And the truth sets you free. The truth sets you free. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.